All right. It is the Sprint. Uh, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine shipping. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, former Ute quarterback, of course, former Ute color analyst on the broadcast, and our Ute insider here on The Zone, our good friend Frank Dolce. Frank, uh, participate with us. Uh, what is your most memorable moment from a venue around here? Now, you had a lot of them, obviously, to choose from at Rice-Eccles, but take this where you want to go. What's number one, the most memorable thing to happen at Rice-Eccles for you? Hmm. Well, that, that's a good question. I've certainly uh, had a chance to see a lot at Rice-Eccles and previously the Robert L. Rice Stadium at the university. Uh, I think I might, well, I, and this is probably going to be, can I go with two? Mm-hmm. I probably have way more than that, but there's a couple and I can incorporate two different stadiums. So one would be, uh, a Utah versus BYU football game at Rice stadium and a tremendous hit by Kautai Olivao. I remember that. Uh, I believe it was Ronnie Jenkins who was a running back for, for BYU and kind of kind of turned, he fumbled, forced a fumble, and, and I think Utah figured out how to win, how to win that game. And I'll, that, that play, that particular play is unforgettable. And then this, the second one is... Uh, you know, when I was when I was uh, a student at the University of Utah, Mike McCoy and I went down to watch BYU play San Diego State. San Diego State had a young running back named Marshall Falk, hmm. and and Mike McCoy and I bought tickets and sat in the very last row of the stadium at BYU, which wasn't Lavelle Edwards Stadium then. And uh, and we watched Marshall Falk put on an unbelievable performance in in that game, and and it's just it may be still live. That may be the single most incredible performance I've ever seen anyone give was Marshall Falk and his uh, when he was playing running back for San Diego State. Pretty good, Frank. Not bad. You're good at this exercise. You've seen a lot over the years. You've seen a lot of those incredible events, and and uh, I'm sure I have a ton of great memories. You know, uh, the pro- the problem with that, though, for for those of us who've seen so many games there, and in your ex- experience, you know, actually being on the field and whatnot, uh, it, it other things stand out. Like you mentioned, the old Rice Stadium. I remember the final game there, and then people started. Even workers started tearing the stadium apart. Do you remember that? And, and, oh yeah. And folks were surfing down the seats on top of some of the torn out, uh, uh, you know, benches and whatnot. Uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was nuts. People were pulling chairs out of the stadium. I think people brought tools to the stadium and started <laughs> removing items. Uh, and walking, carrying them out. And it even happened in the press box, in the old press box, that people were were taking telephones and coat hangers and whatever they could, signage, whatever they could get their hands on and and removing it from the stadium. Yeah, when it was going to be (laughs) the last game, when it was going to be closed down. So, yeah. Can you imagine imagine these days people being allowed to bring crowbars into the stadium with them for a game? 
<laughs> Sounds like a Raiders game or something. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, that still happens in Oakland, I think. And I've, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be allowed in Las Vegas when that arena opens, when that stadium opens. Frank, what was more impressive to you, what the defense of Utah did to Oregon State, uh, their offense, or what the offense did to the Beaver defense? Oregon State didn't bring didn't bring much of a of a rushing defense to that game, so I think we expected Utah to be able to run the ball effectively. And so I think the bigger matchup or the the more interesting matchup going into that game was uh, an Oregon State offense that showed the ability to score some points and and run the ball fairly effectively and throw the ball a little bit around the field. And, um, and and then those things, just none of that materialized. I mean, U- Utah – so I think the most impressive thing was the way Utah managed Oregon State's offense and held a, a rushing attack to 2.2 yards per carry and 60-ish yards and seven points in scrap time at the end of the game. And it was as – you know, that was a pretty – pretty dominating performance on the defensive side, as dominating as we've seen this year anyway. Frank, what do you expect to see against Arizona State? Because Jake brought up uh, brought this up earlier in the show, that Arizona State's 11th in the country in stopping the run. Isn't that what you said? Under averaging like 91 yeah. yards, something like that. So do you think the Utes will be able to uh, you know, have their strength uh, take over uh, ASU strength? Utah is, I mean, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a football team that's based in the run. And so Utah's still going to have to be able to run the ball effectively. And, and I, I think you have to look at that number a little bit and, and say, well, maybe, you know, maybe Arizona State, they've been good against the run, nothing against it. And then they face, again, they face a team like Washington State that isn't at all committed to the run. So that's, that helps you a little bit statistically, just like you would anybody who's playing Washington State against and trying to manage the running game. So, uh, I don't know. Numbers numbers are, are kind of a funny thing that way. Statistics are kind of a funny thing. I think Utah's going to be able to run the ball. I cer- certainly think that Arizona State's going to try and stop the run. But Utah has something, in, in, you know, a little bit different this year in, in, you know, a passing game that's been highly efficient. And and so maybe Utah will bring a little bit more of a balanced attack. I mean, I can remember in the not-so-distant past, I'm talking like the last couple of years, when Utah was was forced to run the ball, ineffective in the passing game, and and teams could line up, you know, eight or nine people in the box to try and stop the run. And Zach Moss faced those kind of defensive fronts and still had some success. I don't think Arizona State's going to be able to do that this year, and if they do, then I have faith in Tyler Huntley and, and the passing game and what they've been able to accomplish there. So, but but the, the long and short of it is Utah's still going to, still going to try to establish the running game, and it's the right thing to do. You're, you, you want to control the football game. You want to control the line of scrimmage. You want to limit the opportunities for Arizona State offensively, and that, that occurs by having a, an established running game. Frank, are you surprised at how well Herm Edwards has done at Arizona State? It seems like he's doing a heck of a job. I, I didn't give him much of a chance the way they set that whole thing up. I thought, 
you know, okay, so he's going to be the CEO and is he going to be involved in coaching or not involved in coaching or what's he going to do and, and how's that going to work out? It seemed like kind of an, and, and I didn't know if he was that interested in doing it. I mean, and, and, and his first couple press conferences were interesting. So it just didn't feel like, I thought that Arizona State was going to be a disaster. I thought that Arizona in Sumlin hired the right guy and that program was going to take off and Arizona State was going to be into this two-year experiment and figure out that was a disaster. Well, it's kind of gone not exactly the opposite way, but it's kind of gone the opposite way. And Herm Edwards has been fantastic in the way that he's managed that program and brought talent and surrounded himself with really good with really good people and infused a culture at Arizona state. So yeah, I, I wasn't, I was very skeptical at the beginning and now I'm a huge fan of what Herm Edwards has done there. Frank, who's Utah's defensive MVP so far? It's hard to go outside of one of the guys at the defensive line, but I, I, and, and I still like, I still like Francis Bernard, but Devin Lloyd is all, all of a sudden, he's been super productive. And that was a guy that was a big question mark coming into the, coming into the season. So I, I would have to think that the, that the MVP is, is in one of those two groups, either up front like a, like a Lecky Fotu who seems to dominate opponents and gets a lot of attention from the from, from offensive linemen, and he still figures out a way to be productive, um, or, or the linebackers, the linebackers who benefit from a really good, really good defensive front. Um, so, but I, I don't know. I think I'm still going to stick with that, that linebacker group, and I'm still, I'm still going to stick to my guns and say that right now um, Francis Bernard has added something to that defense, and especially in the position group that lost a lot. He's filled in and more than filled in, and he's been really, really playing at a really high level. And he's been – I mean, if I, I, if I look across that defense and say, if one guy goes down, is that – how does that most affect the defense? It seems to me like if Francis Bernard goes down, then the defense is most affected by his loss. Frank Dolce with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Frank, after the Oregon State game, Kyle Whittingham gave the game ball to the entire receiving core. Evaluate them thus far this season. It seems like they've gotten a lot better. Yeah, I think those guys have been good. Uh, We've seen Utah receivers run run around the field open, kind of wide open at times, and... That has always been a little bit of a challenge for Utah. We, we've heard time and time again in the past about receivers not getting separation, and uh, it feels like that group is starting, starting to do that. And that's, that's a group that doesn't, doesn't necessarily have a standout or a guy that's really been targeted as a standout. I would put Brian Thompson in that category as, as kind of the guy, if you had to have a standout receiver, he's the one that seems like he has mo- the most tools athleticism and and the football IQ and the talent and all of those things but but uh, he, he as a group if you look across those guys what it's like five or six maybe seven guys at the top that are that all have about the same number of catches all about 
similar productivity and and you know that's that's uh that's credit to those guys obviously in their execution but offensive game plan been really good and then you know you can when you have five or six guys that you have to cover you know it's really difficult to cover one guy so you have a you have the benefit of a really good running game a quarterback that's playing at an unbelievably high level right now and a receiving core that that a defense can't really target one or two guys there's five or six or seven guys that you have to you have to look for Frank Austin wants to know if the Red Baron just flew overhead. Yeah, I think that might have. Did you hear that? We, that was, we did. That was unbelievable. That I, it was like this, this prop, prop plane, this two-wing prop plane. I looked out of my window to see what was happening. And I think I just got, I may have gotten crop dusted. Just now, I think he's coming back. You might hear it again. Hear it. What are you doing? Yeah. Are you farming, yeah. Frank? No. Is it the harvest? No, I, I, I'm just, I don't know what's going on. Maybe they know that we're on the air and they keep, just keep buzzing the tower here as we're as I'm sitting here. I went out into my vehicle because I thought this would be a a more quiet area to to take the phone call, but apparently not. Okay, so not that there's a lot to choose from on this, Frank. But when you observe Utah football, right? What's the biggest weakness? What's the greatest efficiency on this team? Well, that's a good question. I think defensive line is solid. Obviously, linebackers really good. I would say there's probably two areas where I would say there's. Um, Maybe nitpicky, but if I'm saying there's two areas where you might have some concern, then I would say that the offensive line on the offensive side of the ball, the offensive line is um, an area that's been good and has has been improving. But if there's one liability on the offensive side, then then I think you'd have to look at that that position group, offensive line. Um, and, and by the way, they're, they've been playing pretty well, so that's hard to, it's hard to say that. And then I think the other deficiency for Utah is depth at the linebacker position. So when I say like Francis Bernard or Devin Lloyd goes down, um, there's not a lot sitting on the bench to fill in for those guys. And so going throughout the rest of the season, there's still a lot of football left to play. To me, it's pretty important that those guys stay – stay healthy and Utah figures out how to bring along a third and a fourth guy in that mix so if something does happen then then there is some game experience because those guys have been playing at a high level but we don't know much about the guys behind them Frank thank you very much as always look forward to your coverage throughout the week absolutely it's always great to talk to you guys really appreciate it you too Frank Frank Dolce with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Came up with a couple of good memories. Yes, you did. He And he's, well, obviously, he's seen a lot. Yes. <laughs> he's seen a lot. In when that. did Frank play? What years? It was early 90s. It was like 1990, something like that. Oh, we so can, it's, it's we can Google that. Yeah. So he's... He's got a whole lot to choose from. He, like did, he does have a lot to choose from. We, we've got a lot of great response on this. We'll go through a, a few that we've gotten. Uh, I've got a couple of more, Gordon. I know you do too, so we can get to those. What uh, what uh, what kind of uh, 
plane did Snoopy uh, fly? Or what wasn't there a Swarthmore camel? Or what was the thing called? I'm trying to picture. The I don't know. I, I was impressed. I knew Red Baron, so I don't. Know. Sop with camel? Sop with? Sop with? Sop is that what it was? Sop I'm with picturing camel? the flying aces ride at Lagoon right now. For, ah, uh, is it Sop with camel? Something, uh, something along. Sure sounded like it, didn't it? Do you remember the Red Baron's name? Uh, Red, comma Baron. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, oh, that's a great question. Woodstock. What was it? Baron von Richthofen. Okay. And you remember how many uh, confirmed kills he had? How many? 80. And 80. I basically remember this because of that Snoopy song by the Royal Guardsman, Snoopy vs. the Red Baron. Have you ever heard <laughs> yeah, that song? Yeah, I have. Yeah. 80 men tried. 80 men died. How'd they get him? They finally got him. I think there is actually- Was the night before Christmas in the First World War. That one? Or a different <laughs> no, one? No, <laughs> no. The bloody think... Red Baron was flying once more. I think there's actually some controversy over who finally got him, because I think there were multiple claims to it. Mm. All right. That's not it? What he was singing? No, that's not oh, it. Oh, there's a Christmas Snoopy Red Baron song, so. Anyway. All right, we'll get well, to right. Maybe we'll have that coming back. Not to bring up anything ridiculous. <laughs> we'll get to uh, your some of your favorite memories. We'll also talk some jazz basketball hey, coming up. It wasn't our fault that Frank was being it was doing the broadcast from a, a practice range somewhere. I mean, what was it? What's that island that's off of Maui that uh, the the U.S. was using as a as a, to practice its bombing and its invasions of it? Uh, this is going to make Austin angry, but yeah, I know what you're talking about because I've Something actually been there. They still you've been to that island? Yeah, they we did because they say not even the, they have to be careful because there's live ammo land. We around. were out. We like drove around it on like a scuba thing or not scuba. I'm sorry, uh, snorkeling. See, Austin's never been. Uh, I know. That's that. why I said that. Oh, All right. Uh, More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.